Father, you are the creator and sustainer of existence. Father, you um, knit us in our mother's wombs. You have counseled our days. Father, we cannot go down low enough to be away from you. We cannot go high enough to be away from you. We cannot go left nor right nor forward or backwards without your presence. And Father, I ask now that you help Patricia and the doctors and nurses who are seeking wisdom and counsel on her health problems. And, and I lift Jennifer to you as she brings forth a child, a, um, a creation that she will be blessed to be a steward over. And yet, Father, it's all in your hands. And Father, we come even now to commit to you uh, the outcome to your glory and to your praise. Father, give us your peace. Give us your rest. Give us um, the understanding of the ages that even when it seems seems so difficult you are so in control and so overwhelming father we come to your word tonight to listen to hear you and yet father to see something that is in our nature help us lord help us to draw help us to drink deep of your wisdom to drink deep of your ways and your purposes. Father, let us fall before you, face down, as we worship in spirit and in truth, to the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Christ's name. Amen. Chapter 32. Uh, I want to kind of review because it'll really help us to understand something here. We have just gone through chapter 25, verse 1 through chapter 31, verse 18. And in that process, we have what uh, we call the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. But we've also seen God lay out a pattern for this is worship to me. Everything from the anointing or the consecrating of the priest for the work of ministry who will minister to him to the detail on the lampstand, to the detail that will fall into the uh, showbread. The uh, incense will be made this way. The anointing oil will be made this way. These people will do this. And, and the detail that is there is amazing to me. Um, have, have you ever heard of Nostradamus? I was seeing a show on him the other day, and everybody was so fascinated about him uh, and how he knew he knew all this stuff. He knew who Hitler was, and he knew yada, yada, yada. It goes down the line. And what was amazing is when they finished this, it was an hour program. When they finished this program, they said he was 18% correct. Well, that's like buying lotto tickets. I mean, well, I got close. What does that mean? Well, I bought a ticket. All right. Do you realize that Jesus Christ in three years fulfilled 368 prophecies? 
to the detail? And we're worried about some Nostradamus? And yet I watch the detail of God and I ask a simple question. You know, um, we was listening to a guy talking about uh, postmodernism and all the rest of it and his rationality for the existence of God was fascinating to me. And here's the reason I say that. He said that no one has ever been able to pinpoint the heart of man the way Jesus and God has. You ever thought about that? All right. When you ask men, how, how are we? We'll always lean heavy on the, well, we're good. We just sometimes make bad mistakes. And yet the Bible teaches us that you ain't good. You're not even seeking good and you are self-absorbed. Have you ever thought about that? When the Bible teaches about the state of man, he is so specific on the condition of man's heart. And yet he lays out here in 25 through 31 all of this detail on how to worship me. And remember, I want to just grab this for a second. He says, I don't want anybody to come up on the mountain as I'm speaking to Moses. If an animal comes up, you kill the animal. No one comes up unless they're consecrated. Moses comes up with Aaron. And I want you to be emphatic about this. And what was the people's response? It said the mountains shook and there was thunder and there was lightning. And the people were terribly afraid. Terribly afraid. Okay? And they even got to the point where they said, Moses... Why don't you go up there and talk to God and tell him whatever you want. We're in. <laughs> We're doing. <laughs> just, just don't make us go up there. Okay? Now the people saw that Moses was delayed. Verse 1, third, chapter 32. And come down from the mountain and the people assembled around about Aaron and said to him, What? Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out from the land of Egypt, we do not what has become of him. Fascinating. Flat out fascinating. Okay, let me show you some stuff in this text. All right, they want somebody to lead them. And they want you to make us something that will lead us. Okay, but you know what the tragedy of the whole text is? Who brought them out of Egypt? What does the text say? It's quoted again in Acts chapter 7. Who did the people believe brought them out of Egypt? Moses. What do we do today? What do we do today? I remember reading with Dr. Spiros Zodiades and his comment to me was, we have personality cults. 
no different than the letter to the Corinthians says, I'm of Apollos, I am of Paul, I am of Peter. Why? Who's leading me? Well, we were following who? Who brought you out? Now, do you, you know what's terrible about that? They were supposed to give a half a shekel, right? For the sanctification of the young men. For what reason? They remember who brought them out of Egypt. They give it to the tabernacle. Why? Because it was God in the position of the tabernacle that brought them out of Egypt. He says, you will have this Passover celebration. You will take a lamb and you will take the leaven out of your house and you will do all of these things. Why? So that you'll remember that Moses brought you out of Egypt? No. Listen, we do the same thing today. Have you ever had uh, the month go longer than the money? Huh? And then all of a sudden something happens and there's a little more money. Maybe it's just a banking error or you just forgot to add one or subtract one or something like that. Or maybe just somebody shows up with groceries and your immediate response is what? Who did it? Who did it? You, you, ever, you, you ever studied for a test? We have some kids and, and you ever studied for a test and, and just kind of sweating bullets and oh my God, here we go, here we go, here we go. Oh God, help me take the test. Help me take the test. And you take the test, you get an A on it and you're like, boy, that wasn't so hard. It's the same thing. Who did it? Who did it? You know, that's one of the amazing things. What we do in Russia is amazing to me because we are not going through a great, big, huge organization. It is just us. Our little church has planted 17 churches in RL. How'd we do it? You know what? If I had a congregation of 2,000 people, I can all sit back and say, we did it. But we can't say that. Why? How did it happen? That's amazing to me. You know, I've watched people, I've had people have been involved in my life that said, you know, I've, I've led like 27 people to Christ and this, that, and the other. And, and, but they all make the same statement that everybody has fallen away. And, but we think that it's a habit because normally what happens is you get saved, you're on fire for God for a little while, and then you walk away for about three or four years, five years. And then if they come back, then you knew that they were really kind of saved and, and it was all kind of cool. You know what? I have never had anybody I've led to Christ ever walk away from God. But I haven't had very many. But here's the problem. I understand that I ain't leading anybody to Christ. Who's doing it? God does it. The person of the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and the person says, I must have salvation. Listen, what was the falling away part that Paul had? Anybody know where that was? There wasn't one. When the Holy Spirit took him over, what happened? They were gods. They were gods. 
I watch this text right here and it says, come make for us a God who will lead us. Okay, now listen, they may have been impatient. They may have been in a panic. I mean, you got the mountain is shaking. You're not allowed to touch the mountain or you'll die. You got lightning and thunder and these voices coming from heaven. And I'm thinking that there was a little panic going on. I'm thinking there's a little impatience. But you know what happened? They succumb, they surrender back to the pagan worldview. What do we do? There's a ruler in this world today. He's still alive and he's still thriving. What do we do? It's like this. I, I watch people, and I've seen this a number of times. Uh, my stepfather, God rest his soul, he's in glory right now. He went through, he retired. He's a typical guy. He worked in a factory in Ohio all of his life. He retired and within six months had a heart attack. And it's just the way it works. Uh, you retire and boom, the big one. Okay, he did the bypass surgery. That didn't go well. Normally everybody's, you know, everybody, he's getting ready to go in for bypass surgery. Well, you know, I had bypass surgery and as quick as I had to bypass surgery, I just felt like I was 20 years younger. Well, he almost died. He was in intensive care for six months, uh, in and out of a coma on bypass surgery. All right, it just didn't go well. He got that done, was weak, coming back, coming back, and then he ends up with prostate cancer. And the guy who gave him the radiation treatment for the prostate cancer was an idiot and gave him unregulated radiation. Okay, to the point that they couldn't say, we don't even know what was given you. Okay, it was enough that there was blistering from the sessions okay so i it definitely put it in remission okay but he didn't have any idea of what was happening when his cancer came back they couldn't do any radiation at all because nobody knew how much he'd already had But see, what you and I do, when we have a diagnosis, we run out and say, well, I need this doctor, I need this medicine, I need this procedure, and I need... And he just smiled to it and says, God's carrying me through this, and it's obvious that he'll take it out of the hands of men so that only he gets the glory. This is an uneducated man. My stepfather couldn't read. Had no ability to read. Okay, And yet he had a bigger insight into the Bible. He had a big old print Bible because he was embarrassed. I can't read. He was embarrassed. But he loved to have people read the Bible to him. Read me the Bible. But see, he had moved in a position that says, you know what? Who gets credit for this? They wanted God to lead them. They want to be led. Listen, Jesus says we are like... Sheep, sheep want to be cared for. They want to be taken. They want to be nurtured. They want to be loved. They want it to be cared for, don't we? And if you don't care for me, I'll go find somebody else who'll care for me. But see, we in our sinful nature, what do we do? I decide what I want to be cared for. That's exactly what's going on here in Israel. 
two million people camping at the foot of Mount Sinai. God's talking to them and explaining it all to them, lays it out in detail, and their conclusion is what? You're taking too long. Let's move on. Aaron said, tear off the gold rings which are in your ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And all the people did what? They tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and they brought them to Aaron. He took them from their hand and he fashioned it into a graving tool. Now let me share with you something here. What's that? You know, I don't have no gold rings and I don't know all the rest of it. Listen, here's what happens to people. We want this. Will you give it to me? Second Timothy chapter three, recognize this in the end of the times, what will happen? Men will not want sound doctrine and they will do what? Heap, heap, pile it up. What? Teachers. The tickle ear. Read the book of Judges. One of the themes, one of the phrases that you'll see in the book of Judges over and over and over and over again is each man was doing what was right in his own heart. Now listen, I want to share with you. This doesn't mean that they were out gambling and prostituting and drugging and all that. They were worshiping God as they saw fit. We want to be led. But let me explain to you what leading is. I mean, let's be realistic. Have you ever seen it? They tell me that if you're going to find a pastor, a good pastor, a good elder, what you need to find is what is called a natural born leader. You'll spot them. They stand out. Okay. You know what's amazing about that? Where is that in the Bible? I guess me in trouble in the pastor's prayer things. Where is that in scripture? Because I remember we was arguing one time. We weren't arguing. They were arguing. I was listening. And as the pastor goes, the church goes. And I said, what happened to Corinth? What happened to Ephesus? That ain't true. As God's will goes, it goes. All right? Listen, do you understand one of the promises that are coming to you and I? In the end of the age, men will not want to hear Bible preaching. And they will heap to themselves people who will tickle their ears. Why? Because they will want someone who brought me out of Egypt. Boy, they helped me so much. It's not true. This should alarm us. How rapid... And despite the recent revelation and demonstration of God's greatness and goodness, how quickly had the people turned? See, they're not just requesting an idol, but they want a God to lead them. Lead us on. Take us anywhere. Go before. Go before. And Aaron says, all right, give me your gold. And what's the response? Heaped it up. Heaped it up. See, their world view robbed them of seeing what God had done. 
Got it? Well, it's obvious that Moses brought us out. Really? Moses kept telling them, I didn't do this. Why? He set the stage. I didn't do this. I didn't do the plagues. God did it. Made a molten calf. Molten calf, and they said, This is your God, O Israel, who you brought up from the land of Egypt. Okay? Golden calf, uh, a young bull was fashioned, and it had a, a, a mindset of virile power. Okay? Uh, you see it in the Philistines, Ashlon, uh, a number of cities you find this golden calf. Um, and, and so uh, it wasn't just an Egyptian thing. You see it in the land of Canaan too, that this bull, bullock, would be this massive thing. Um, and, and it was sign of power. So um, Aaron was smart enough to say, we're going to follow something. Let's follow something with power. Remember this country? few years ago, I think it was what, September the 11th, a few years ago, we all kind of woke up and everybody was sort of glued to their televisions or their radios. I mean, the people were just, what has happened? And, and I heard everybody saying, what is God showing us? What is God telling us? Why would these people hate us this way? How could we be so so susceptible to an attack like this? How how can this happen? And and, on, and that was on a Tuesday, and then by that Sunday, the churches were packed. They were packed. Everybody, people who had never been in a church were in a church. Why? We just we got to know. And, and and everybody was praying. They got to Yankee Stadium, and they brought all the great men of God. And women. And we all stood and prayed. And then the haze cleared and we said, give us a target. Why? We'll fix it. And for the last six years, we've been fixing it. But I thought, and I remember, why did God allow this to, why did God do this? Well, God wasn't in that airplane. Isn't it amazing? You can take a country that is one of the youngest on the planet earth, build it into a power, and who gets credit for it? Then when something bad happens, who gets blamed for it? Same thing you see here, people. It's the same thing. We want something to lead us. We want, I mean, it's, the whole world stopped and seen what Washington was going to do. And then I go to Russia and they said, well, your president seems like a cowboy. He's from Texas. What do you expect him to be? <laughs> I mean, Chief Minnie Crickets. He is a cowboy. But he's what I'm trying to get at. This hasn't changed. There's nothing new here. The, do you understand that Israel has never still existed as a country in this text? They have not taken their land, and yet they want to be led. They have watched the hand of God. 
And in either a combination of panic and impatience, they build a calf. Worshiping the calf, they violate the first three commandments that God has already given them. And it ain't even been a week. It hasn't been a week. Aaron saw this, verse 5. He built an altar before it. See, he knows how this works. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to Yahweh. Represented by the golden calf. Have an idol. Have an altar. And have God. We just mix them together. It'd be perfect. What do you see in the church today? Idols, altars, and sometimes we'll even include God. We'll have a feast. We'll have a potluck. Let's have a potluck as we worship to the golden calf on the altar and we'll tell Jesus that we are happy about it. But I want to show you verse 6, because look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, so the next day they rose, 2 million people. They rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And I'd have brought a bunch of those. Brought peace offerings and the people sat down to what? Eat, drink, and they rose up to play. They had done their Duty. Okay. The word there to play in the Hebrew literally means, um, or could also include, I should say, drunkenness and immorality. And they had basically taken common pagan idolatry and had blended it with the worship to the true God. Do you realize what's amazing about this text? Do you ever, have you ever read the book of Haggai? Okay, little prophet book, Haggai. You know what's amazing about the book of Haggai? He's a prophet was raised up five years, five years after the Babylonian captivity. Five years. And he, God raises up Haggai. He sends him to Israel. And you know what the problem is? He says, your houses are paneled. You have nice curtains and everything is taken care of. But my house is desolate. Repent. Or I'll send you back to the Babylonians. That's five years. 70 years of slavery. And within five years, they had what? Turned back to their own way. Turn back to their own way. The next day they got up. They decided to have a party. We're going to have a party for God. I like it. It's a paid vacation. That's a paid holiday. Okay? And we'll just party our brains out to Jesus or to Yahweh in this text. Verse 7. Yahweh spoke to Moses. And this is one of the funniest verses I've ever read. Yahweh spoke to Moses, go down at once for your people. <laughs> I love it. Ain't mine. <laughs> that is yours. Your people. Now think about what God's saying. 
Your people think you led them out of Egypt. And look at your people. They're worshiping gold. You ever heard the joke about the guy who God made a deal with God? God, can I take all my earthly possessions and bring them to heaven with me? And God said, just this one time. And the guy says, all right. So he took everything he owned before his death, had it converted into gold, and he got to take it to heaven. All right. He walks up to the pearly gates and opens up the gates. And Peter's standing there. I wonder why they always use that phrase. Anyway, Peter's standing there and he says, what's in the bag? And he says, all my earthly possessions. And he says, all your earthly possessions. He says, yeah, I put it, turned it into gold. Peter looked at it and says, well, you can bring it in, but I don't know what you're going to do with a bag of pavement. Because the streets are paved with gold in heaven. And now you got a big old bag full of pavement. But you know, that's what we do. I remember talking to a guy one time who says, I, I really want Jesus to come back, but I hope he doesn't come back before I take a Caribbean cruise. And I said, what? But you know what? Every one of us in this room, we're guilty of it. Something we want to do, something we want to fulfill, something we want to be a part of. And we're even willing to take pagan idolatry and mix it with Christ and supposedly it'll be better. Basically, you know what's going on here? Discernment's gone. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7. It's gone. There's no discernment left. Here's what's amazing. Where's Moses? He's on Mount Sinai. He ain't far from him. And you still got the clouds and the thunder and the nasty stuff going on. And you still can't let your livestock walk up on the hillside of this thing. And the next day they had rose. They made burnt offerings and peace offerings. They sat down and they did their worship the way was comfortable to them. And God says, your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. You know what the word corrupt there means? It's a phrase that speaks of of rusting. Um, I'm from back east. Uh, they put salt on the road. And uh, I, we used to have a car company. Nobody remembers them. Uh, American Motors. And the reason that they don't list, aren't around anymore, is because they had these amazing cars that literally could corrupt themselves almost instantaneously. It would just rust apart. And if you talk to a, a metallurgist, you'll find out that what they say is the metal has rotten itself. That's the phrase that's being used here. The people have become rotten. And when you have that rotting effect going on, what happens to the structure? Falls apart. Turns into dust. They have quickly turned, look what he says in verse 8. They have quickly turned aside from the way in which I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf. They have worshipped it. They have sacrificed to it. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. 
How patient is God? Yahweh says to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, uh, New American Standard translates that they are an obstinate people. Stiff neck. Stiff neck. Okay? Here's what's amazing about what you see right now. Where's Moses? He's getting the Ten Commandments. Remember with the tablets and written by the finger of God and this is how you'll worship and this is how we'll do. And he just, he ain't, it ain't like he vanished. He didn't do an Enoch thing, was and then he wasn't. He's up there. They know what's going on. They've already heard the voice of the Lord. They under, they've seen God. God has reiterated over and over and over and over. Do this in remembrance of me bringing you out. Do this in remembrance of me bringing you out. Do this in remembrance of me bringing you out. Let's make a golden calf that brought us out of Egypt. Now, I want to show you something because next week we'll pick it up because verse 11 uh, it says Moses entreated Yahweh, his God. Uh, he prayed. <laughs> That's what he did. But I want to show you verse 10. Now then, let me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And then look what he says. And I will make of you what? Great nation. Well, what's that mean? Really? How quickly we forget? What did he do with Abraham? He did it over and over with Abraham. Abraham, Abraham wasn't a man of faith. Look at Abraham's life. Abraham's life, he grew in his faith. But he wasn't a man of faith, but he grew his faith. And he says, you know what? If you can find 50 guys in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'll hold back. Well, I may be pushing it there. How about 45? Find 45. Well, how about 10? You find 10. Okay. You can't even find Sodom and Gomorrah. What about Noah? What about Noah? You know what he did? I'll start over. He has a history of saying, you know what? I'll start over. And he says, you know what? I got two million Jews standing out here worshiping a golden calf, blaming the calf for bringing them out of Egypt. I'll start over with you, Moses. Okay. Moses ain't stupid. Moses said, going, you know what? He can start over. Why do we think that we're immune to God starting over? Well, you don't understand. We're the church. Read the seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor in the book of Revelations. What does he say? You know, and everybody keeps saying, well, what does it mean the lamp stands? It's easy. You start over. Do not think that you are of value to God. God can start over. 
Now, it's interesting because Moses does pray, and we'll look at this next week. Moses says, Lord, why? I bet you you can start over again. <laughs> and you really want to go through this again? That's so what people ask me. He says, Terry, you ever thought about going to another church? I'd have to start over. That's what God's into. I don't start over. I'm just... All right. I share that with you because we have been warned. I think about the book of Esther. Esther is the only book in the Bible God has never mentioned. But you always see God working. It's amazing. Okay. But there's a phrase that Mordecai uses with his, his niece Esther. He says, it was for such a time as this that you are here. Okay. Do you know that we who are gathered here right now is for such a time as this that you are here? Do you understand that we are eyeball deep into an area that says we do not want sound doctrine. We want keeping it up and make me feel good. And it's no different than the nation of Israel sitting on the Mount Sinai. I see people, you know, I start talking to a guy who said, well, you know, I grew up with biblical exposition and it just seemed so legalistic and you need to lighten up a little bit and be more gracious. And I thought, really? I think that we need to be less gracious. We need to tell these people, no, you don't look saved. I know that hurts your feelings, but you don't look saved. Here's the consequences. What if you're not? Because many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do great signs and wonder in your name? You know what Jesus is going to tell them? I don't know you. I don't know you. Why? There are too many today who have taken... Pagan religion, humanism is what I call pagan religion, self-gratification. And they blend it with the body of Christ and worship at the altar of the golden calf. And yet he tells us in 32 of Exodus, (laughs) it ain't new. It ain't new. But it's an interesting phrase. I will start and build a nation of you, Moses. And you know what? Moses is smart enough to say, you know what? He can start over at any instant that he feels like and says, here's a new one. And we need to keep that in mind as we walk through this life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things that you do. And Lord, um, your mercies that are new every day, your grace that overwhelms us and floods us as the depths of the oceans. Father, the love that you have poured in our hearts, our love for you, our love for your word, our love for the body of Christ. Father, our love for the saints. Father, I think of my dear brother and his wife and daughter and their health issues. And yet your love has drawn them into our lives at this time. It's awesome. Father, we draw tonight and we think about how easy it is to be 
deceived, distracted, entangled. Help us, Father. Help us to run a race without the entanglements of this world. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of our high calling. Help us, Lord. And this day, when everything is about self, help us, Lord. And the power of your Spirit stands selfless. To your glory, to your praise. And Father, we praise you for what you'll do. In Christ's name, amen.